You've got a voice. A big voice. Use it often. Sound off on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Hold on, uh, Diego. The whole reason for Nancy and I being together here because for some people it's not... The greatest time of the year, as Andy Williams would sing in that Christmas ballad. The most wonderful time of the year. For a lot of people, they're lonely, they're at home. You heard from some of the callers to Dominic Carter. Although, Nancy, what a beef I had with Dominic Carter. I chased him out uh, downstairs, uh, so he's on his way back to Pomona, where even the long jockeys are white there in Rockland County. You say, oh, he was telling Chris from Long Island, There'll never be a debate between Cuomo and Curtis. Never, 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 never. Never say never, Dominic. I know you're listening on the way back. But anyway, the pur- purpose of us always coming together in studio, Nancy, is because it's not the most wonderful time of the year for so many people out there who uh, we're like their only friend. We're like their, their relatives that they no longer have or they can't be with. And uh, we've done this now a few years, and people are always so grateful that we have this opportunity to spend with all of them. No, it's a wonderful opportunity. I love being here every year. I'm so glad people appreciate it and that they call in and they're they're happy to join us. You know, obviously being live, a lot of things are repeats today, but now here we are, and, you know, we're in studio and ready to join everybody. Now, this is live and local radio, courtesy of our owner and operators, John, Katsimid- uh, John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, our parent company, Red Apple Media. But let's open up the phones, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We have good news to share with everyone coming into this new year of 2024. And that is the show that you're a part of here at WABC. The Animal Welfare Hour will now be nationally syndicated from coast to coast with affiliates as part of Red Apple Media. So uh, the hard work you put into it, Nancy, all the animal stories that you brought to the forefront uh, is being rewarded now with more folks who will be able to listen to what we have to say all over the nation. Yeah, this is fantastic. And again, it uh, speaks to your point that animal issues are just universal. doesn't matter where you live. Everyone can relate to them. Everyone has stories. Everyone has pets. So it's just a great opportunity. Well, let's first talk about yourself because uh, you've been through quite the ordeal the last week. You've been pretty much flattened, meaning it's been very difficult for you to get around. You have what so many other people have said that they've had which is a nagging cough. For you, it's been uh, more than uh, a week, and it just progressively got worse. And then what were some of the other symptoms that just came out of nowhere and clobbered you uh, for most of the week? Oh, this yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty bad round for me of not feeling good. So I would say the main symptoms were 
intense body aches, like every single part hurt, um, you know, coughing. So obviously every time I coughed, that was painful, uh, fever, sinus pressure, headache. I mean, I don't know. It's like just too many to list, to be honest with you. Well, it was like your head was going to explode at, at a point. Yeah, and, and I'm accustomed to having migraines, so my threshold for that type of pain is quite high. And even this was concerning me because it just wouldn't stop. It, you know, it's the it's the consistency of it. I mean, if, when you're having a headache for 36 hours, I mean, it's kind of disconcerting. And this went on for days, yeah. days and days. And then when I compared notes with other people, uh, who have had similar kinds of symptoms, uh, you would think that by now doctors or those who do the research on this would have pinned it down to a specific virus, a specific flu, maybe another um, uh, offshoot of COVID-19 or coronavirus. But you went for a battery of tests, and what did it say that you had? Well, at this point, nothing. Um, Nothing that is of note or that, you know, would have uh, precipitated me getting any medication. So I have a feeling this is maybe something just more like uh, your body needs to to run through it. So, you know, getting, so it's like almost like the old school remedies. You need a lot of rest. You need to make sure you have uh, things like soup, a lot of liquids. I think the vaporizer thing um, is helpful as well. So your, your breathing is, because again, I mean, to the point of it getting so cold, and, you know, your skin getting so dry and the inability to sort of fight any of these germs you're coming in contact with. I come in contact all the time, but I think it's a combination of the really cold weather that just got me because I couldn't fight them off anymore. Well, also, it's not the kind of cold that is followed by snow or ice, but it's the dampness. We got clobbered two weekends in a row with really heavy rain. Uh, it was a very damp feeling, and I get a sense that from that, a lot of people got the sniffles initially, just a normal sniffle, normal sneeze. And then it just started to cycle, get out of control. Our own John Katsimatidis had it for a while. Then all of a sudden he got hit with pneumonia. There were other people who have been down for the count with similar kind of symptoms that you've just described. So, again, it's the perfect time to just max and relax. Make sure you just recharge your batteries. Just make sure they're not uh, electric batteries because we don't want you to implode. And just allow the normal process, as Nancy said, to take place because before you know it, you're back in the grind. And you cannot really function in the grind if you're feeling that way. Yeah, I mean, just again, I would say another thing I was just thinking about, too, it's just a total lack of energy. Like when you're waking up and you feel like you need a nap like five minutes into waking up, that's that's a bad sign, too. But it is amazing that you went for a battery of tests. They didn't come up with anything. Earlier this morning, I was on uh, uh, Andrew Giuliani, and he had a relative. Same thing. Went through a battery of tests. Couldn't come to any conclusion. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. Normally, they would say, well, no, no, you have some form of flu. You have some form of virus. It's uh, it's an extension of uh you know, COVID-19 or coronavirus. Yeah, I definitely remember when I was a kid, if I had anything similar to any of these symptoms, it was kind of par for the course. I'd be prescribed something, like, uh, to help in the recovery process. I-, I was kind of surprised that there's nothing at this point unless you have a certain diagnosis. Like, I'm, I mean, my guess would be, like, maybe an antibiotic might help me, but I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not their protocol today. Well, you ended up self-medicating, like, with uh, with Advil, 
utilizing uh, every potential remedy you had. You didn't ask me for my black bag of a Felix the Cat black bag of medical tricks. Yes, I have my own black bag. Yes, some of which are not necessarily uh, on on the legal end, but it keeps me going 24-7-365, particularly here at WABC. But to everybody out there, understand, uh, this, I've never seen you in a, in a situation like that. We were on the cusp. It was 5 o'clock at night. It was the night of the Christmas party here at WABC. There was just no way, obviously, that I was going to be at the Christmas party. I was taking care of you. And you were in such bad shape. I was saying to myself, with like five seconds to spare, should I bring her to the hospital or should I just try to help her get out of it on her own? And I have a, a, a common belief, uh, only from my own personal experiences, that if you're going to go into a hospital, go during the day if at all possible. The moment you hit the night shift, although others will disagree with me, I don't think uh, the level of care is the same. I don't think the level of professionalism is the same. And I think oftentimes you have people who are like uh, two days out of medical school who are pretending, you know, that they're like the head physician of the hospital yeah, at so, that moment looking at you. So at the Sliwa household, you have to time your illness accordingly <laughs> to make sure that you, you get the day shift. <laughs> <laughs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, you were talking to your brother Danny. Yes. And he had a lot of the same char- characteristics, right? He was knocked out for the count for, for days. Yeah, now with, with him, um, the difference was when he went to the doctor, and it was like after the couple days, he was ultimately diagnosed with uh, flu. And then he did get uh, medication, you know, so it's like a 10-day sort of period that you take the medication, except that at day seven, it came back. So it, like, resurfaced. Uh, so, again, I don't know if that's... Um, something that other people are experiencing as well, that they're getting an initial uh, diagnosis and an initial course of action, and then it's just resurfacing, you know, a week or two later because maybe it's not as extreme. So, I, I, you know, it could be like a, a different variant of flu, but he had it again after having it initially diagnosed. So basically, your family can't get together this uh, Christmas holiday because so many different people have so many different ailments. Yeah, and and my my um my dad, he just had his uh, uh hip surgery in the in Pennsylvania. That's where my mom's at. And so we were supposed to have a, you know, celebration there, but everything was being timed on when he's coming back from the hospital, and then no one wants to go there if they're potentially sick and then infect him. So everything's spinning in orbit. So I'm thinking we should just do like a Zoom Christmas and get it over with. A Zoom Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's the easiest way to do it at this point. What is a Zoom Christmas? We, we go, everyone go online, have your dinner, you know, look at each other, talk to each other. Either that or we got to wear a hazmat suit when we visit. Something. So, so you mean this is the, the new form of uh, Christmas or New Year's. If people are not feeling well, just... Uh, just uh, do it online. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why not because, and actually think about it, it's so much easier. You can have your own meal. Everyone eats what they want to. You can still have the conversation. You can tune out when you don't want to. This way you're just like a picture. When you want to chime in, you can hear the, you know, the festivities. You can hear the conversation. I think that's a pretty good idea. Now, I want you to chime in on my theory, which I, I talked about for the very first time uh, last night uh, when I was on. Uh, in reference to how I believe that this unknown virus or flu, that still, when you give a test, people are not diagnosed with it, is the result of the fact that the difference now, as opposed to a year or two ago, is 
We've had 128,000 people come into our city, our five boroughs, none of whom got a medical check, many of whom are coming from third world countries, many of whom have not been vaccinated at all. I mean, none of the vaccinations right across the board, whose own children before enrolling in school were given a pass. The kids didn't have to get vaccinated. So when it was warm out, you don't necessarily feel the effects. The warmer it is, the less likely uh, that the sickness is going to be noticeable or travel. But now that it's damp and dank, and at times it's approaching freezing, and these folks, the illegal aliens, migrants, undocumented, whatever you want to call them, are now integrated into our, our, our network. You see them in the subways. They're on the subway cars. They're trying to sell you all kind of tchotchkes and candies and drinks. They're in the walkways between the subway, you know, and the subway tunnels. Uh, They have their children with them because nobody's going to give money to adults. I mean, they don't even do that. (laughs) Well, American homeless and destitute, very few people do. But they know, like gypsy, gypsy women have known over the years, if you show up with a baby, you're likely going to get some money along the way. And these babies are coughing and sneezing. The mothers are coughing and sneezing. They're obviously hanging out and associating with other mothers and children. So that's like a spreader right there. So my concept is that with so many new people coming in who are not getting any medical attention, I might add. I've been in, as you know, a lot of these uh, shelters. Hey, Diego, I know I'm talking about a subject very close to you, and uh, you're trying to cut me off here, right? I don't know what migrant shelter you live in, but I'll find out, Diego. Yes, break when I can. I'll break your head. That's what I'll do. But anyway, the point being is nobody has brought this up because you'll get called a racist, a xenophobe. And yet it makes all the common sense in the world. That if they haven't been medically checked, and we know they're not. We see them. They're queuing up at the border as we speak to come running over. And you don't get any vaccines while you're here. And your children are sick. And the mothers are sick. Well, that's going to spread to the general population. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, the the people who are running around the subway selling uh, their goods, they have the kids who are also little ones walking around. I mean, they're sitting on on the subway platforms. They're touching everything. I'm not sure if they're fully aware of how 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 little it gets cleaned in the subway. So to have these children and then they're licking their hand. I mean, th- that's absurd. I mean, these kids are going to get sick because they're living in the subway now. Yeah. So basically, you are agreeing that they come from third world countries where, in many instances, it's cleaner than if you had to sit on a subway platform with that you know swill what? and that flotsam and jetsam. I, I, honestly, I think it probably is cleaner from where they come from because they're in the outdoors. Now you're talking about being in the in the underground where there's no aeration. It never gets cleaned, and it's basically like a, an open-air homeless shelter. Yeah, can you say that again? It never gets oh, cleaned. Oh, it never gets cleaned. I mean, I see grime on top of grime. On t- I mean, I've n- I don't even see a, 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 anyone sweep ever in my life. Well, we need a wholesale study to be done here. We'll use you as our guinea pig. Uh... Oh, man, I really, this guy. Is... Oh, you want me to break now, huh? All right, our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. Diego, boy, he's just taking everything out of Christmas right out of here. 1-800-848-WABC. With the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Hey, check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I had a dream, we were sipping whiskey neat, highest floor of the Bowery, and I was high enough. Thank God. Finally. Some decent music here. Your musical selection this morning has been a dollar short and a day late, Diego. Just understand that. If you played Feliz Navidad one more time, I would come into that, that broadcast booth and strangle you. Notice I am the Grinch that has stole Christmas. Bar humbug to all of you. In the studio, Nancy, who has just spent a week recovering for what had to be in the time that I've known you, Nancy, for years. The biggest bout of sickness I have ever seen you deal with, uh, which I thought put you on the cusp of having to go to the hospital. And thank God I, I didn't. I didn't pull that trigger. Yep. Who knows, you would have been on some ventilator somewhere in the, the city hospital or private hospital system. Just don't trust the hospital after 5 o'clock at night. That's my own particular thing. Now, I was pretty sure that I would recover, but you're right. During the time, it wasn't feeling too good. But uh, a, a sort of a curious uh, point, of, point of note that you were making before, too, right? The cough is the biggest um, sort of symptom I have, which I still have. And I think that's one of the biggest symptoms that a lot of people are having with this strain of whatever is going around. But that also corresponds with that unknown dog virus, believe it or not, where they, they don't have the, the name for it exactly, but a lot of get infected. That's the number one symptom the dogs are having, a consistent cough. So there may be a connection between people and dogs actually catching this same type of virus. So. You had reported on animal the animal welfare program that you can hear every Sunday night from 10 to 11 that there was a unknown animal virus flu strain going about to the canine community in America and dogs were just dying. There was no antidote. There was no antibiotic. What is the update on that? Well, that's still going on. And again, this is, um, you know, throughout 19 states now, it's a... a some sort of a surge going on in respiratory ailments in dogs, and it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't fit into any of the categories so far that they already have that is treatable by antibiotics. So this is why now if people have, they're suggesting, you know, you keep your dogs away from other dogs and don't bring them for visits, don't bring them to groomers because they don't know what this is and there is no known antibiotic, and it starts with a cough and very quickly descends into uh, sometimes, unfortunately, fatality. So when I watch our neighbors on our block walk, uh, walk their dogs, that they do at least twice a day, the dog inevitably finds another dog that's being walked and they start sniffing one another from the tip of their nose back to their torches. So what are you supposed to do, yank the dog away? Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I don't... I don't think it would be wise to have the dogs sniffing each other at all, knowing that this is something that's spreadable between them. Because, again, you don't know which dog has it. And, again, there's no name for it. There's no cure for it. There's no antibiotic for it. We also have a explosive rise in tuberculosis that has overwhelmed the city hospital system. I thought we had done away with tuberculosis. Well, tuberculosis, like you said, that's um, the surgeons there is coming from uh, South America, Central America, because there 
there is instance of a case like that. It's not something that um, is regularly immunized against. Well, you remember, I was diagnosed with latent tuberculosis. And once a week on Saturday, remember, I had to take a series of horse pills. Horse pills! That's right, Diego, from your part of the Western Hemisphere. I got it in Mexico, in Colonia Juarez, in Colonia Libertad, in Tijuana. And that could have imploded at any moment, and I would have had coughs worse than yours. I would have had to be quarantined because that spreads. So we now, all of a sudden, have have tuberculosis that's overwhelmed the city hospital system. Now, what's the main difference from the time we thought that tuberculosis was pretty much eliminated in our lifetime and now, oh, 128,000 illegal aliens coming in with no medical checks. You know, actually, it's like, and when you hear um, Ad, uh, Mayor Adams talk about that, he said it's, a, it's almost like a Christmas blessing that we have so many people who are here now. Yeah, let me tell you, and if you even bring this up, you're called a xenophobe or racist. Well, guess what? I've been called all of that and more. It makes so much sense to me that that's what's going on. Yeah, what he said was, he said, well, there might have been 100,000 people who left, but we got a new 100,000. It's like the only problem with that is the 100,000 who left are were paying taxpayers, and these people now have to be in the system. That's the, the whole different 100,000 people. Well, uh, don't you want to be on the airplane in which he's the pilot? Because remember, as he said, we better hope that he doesn't crash this airplane, Nancy. Yeah, I'm not trusting his skill set. I, I think I'd rather just walk. Exactly. <laughs> No plane with Eric Adams at the wheel. Let's go to the phones. It's Bob in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here today, Christmas Day on WABC, Bob. Oh, I, I want to thank you for being on the radio today. I'm, I'm by myself, Curtis, and listening to you and Nancy is, is such a pleasure uh, to hear another voice, and you're keeping me good company, and I want to thank you for the love of animals. I had a dachshund that I had lost last year. And it's harder than losing a family member. I tell you, I love him so much. And I want to thank you for taking care of and doing all that. Really appreciate it. It's great to listen to you today. Bob, understand that like half of Americans recently in a poll, even if they knew a lot of people, said that the holidays are the loneliest times for them in the year. And that's not just people like yourself who uh, no longer have your, your family member pet or other family members or friends that are nearby. We're talking about people who might know 400 people, and there's not one person that they would call or that one of those people that would call them. So when Andy Williams says it's the most wonderful time of the year, Bob, we do this program because we know for a lot of people out there, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. That's true, Curtis. It's 100% on that. I, I had grown up in Ozone Park. I uh, was there when I was nine years old. My family moved to Long Island and uh, went through two marriages and one other relationship. And those are tough. But um, I find at this point, like having you to listen to and Nancy as well, brings a lot of cheer to me and keeps me going. And well, you know, when we, you when we first did this years ago, uh, and John and Margot, they listen to almost every program that airs here. They were amazed, Bob, at the number of people who were on their own, who were so lonely in what is supposed to be the best time of the year, and how many of them uh, were blind. Remember Sight Challenge, Nancy? We had call after call because they're so dependent on the radio because obviously TV would just be noise in the background because they can't see anything. So, no, no, this is just the least that we can do here at WABC. Right, Diego? 
Right? Yeah. Oh, oh bad, bad. Okay. <laughs> uh, they did a switch. Anyway, let's go if we can to Joanne, who's calling from Miami. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joanne. Hey, Curtis. Great to speak with you. I am cooking and baking for the family, and I'm actually in Miami. Come from New York, and I listen to New York radio to keep in touch. Um, I met you in the 80s in Yonkers at Nathan's. Uh, you and the Guardian Angels came by and uh, were talking to us and just giving us the lay of the land, and it was really cool. And I've listened to you throughout the years. I was rooting for you to get mayorism. I want to thank you and your wife for all that you do tirelessly. I'm a big animal advocate myself. Just wanted to say God bless, Merry Christmas, and New, Year, and New Year's blessings to you and your family. Now, you. now, Joanne, what is it that made you move down to Miami? Family. And uh, did you make the right decision, do you think? Well, I mean, looking at what's happened in New York, I mean, I still go back and I do have, I have stuff there and I go back and forth, but uh, I don't like what happened. I'm not a fan of Hochul and New York just went nuts. Miami's good people. You know, every place has its good place and its bad place. I'm not going to lie. I've lived all over. I actually live in many places in the United States. Um, You could take the girl out of the Yonkers, but you can never take the Yonkers out of the girl. Sure. Now, how many people do you run in uh, that are now living there, like yourself, who are from other places, especially from the New York, New Jersey area? Hundreds. Hundreds. Everybody. Boynton Beach is big on, on New Yorkers. It's Everybody's just coming down. I'm like, that's great you're here. Just vote accordingly. You know, you, you left for a reason. Mm. Good. Well, enjoy your Christmas down there in Florida. So many people from New York and New Jersey, Nancy, are down in Florida or Georgia or North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee. They are fleeing here in record numbers, record numbers, more than even are vacating California. And what does our uh, elected officials do? They say, well, it's time for reparations. It's time for reparations. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a whole big scam in itself, too, because I, I was following what they were doing in California and it was great. What they did was they funded the, the people who did the study. They funded the department to contemplate it for a few years. And then after a few years of everyone getting paid after having conversation, they said, oops, we ran out of money, nothing to give out. So it's like that is a scam and a half. That In California, what Nancy is referring to, San Francisco County, not the city, the county led the way. You're right. They spent millions doing their due diligence to research and now recently they came to the same conclusion that we should have here a while back. There's no more money. Uh, they've got double the amount of migrants that they're dealing with. They're, they're on, the, on the cusp of going bankrupt California as we are. And guess what? Instead of saying no more migrants, no, they keep saying, well, it's the federal government's fault. Well, guess what? Federal government ain't paying for them. You are, and your taxpayers are, and you don't do anything to stop it. Let's go to Edward also, back-to-back, belly-to-belly from Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Edward. Yeah, Curtis, I thought I'd give you a call during the day because usually I call you uh, overnight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I moved over here because of the uh, taxes and crime. And uh, you're right on the um, sickness uh, with the uh, diseases, uh, because in Mexico, they have leprosy. And all this is obvious because of the illegals going through Mexico. And their kids over here are catching the uh, diseases. It's, it's because of that, because they're not being screened, unfortunately. And they don't want to be, they want to take these uh, people in because 
the people that they lost, like me and then the lady that's now in Miami, they're not uh, northerners anymore. They're in the south. So they're, that's money that they're going to be losing out that they could get from the government because of the census. You're absolutely right, except in the interim, Edward, they're not going to be getting belly button lint from the federal government. All they're doing is they're putting more pressure on the local taxpayers, the state taxpayers, and pretty soon many people in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and eastern Pennsylvania, they have one foot already out the door, Edward. Right. And they're going to yeah, put their Chicago home up. More Chicagoans, yeah. Right. They're going to put their home up, home up on a listing. The only thing that's preventing the massive evacuation, they could even triple or quadruple this, is the mortgage rates are up at about 8%. If they were down to the level that they were when Trump left office, about 3%, you'd see how many more homes would be sold, how many more people would be, t- I mean, tucking their tail and heading down to where you are. Where in Florida oh, are yeah. you? I'm in uh, Tampa Bay. Speaking of Tampa Bay, we got a lot of New York transplants over here. I believe Naples is more Chicago transplant, but Tampa Bay, ever since I've been here in May, it's all New York. Yeah, no, generally West Coast was Midwest. East Coast was definitely Northeast sector when people would transplant. But you're right. You, You go to Fort Myers, you go to Naples, which is further down the West Coast of Florida. A lot more Midwestern influence. But yep. Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater, that whole area there. Welcome, right. New York. Welcome, New Jersey. Yep. All and right. California, too. We can't forget them. Uh, just last point on that. California, they're leaving, too. I mean, they uh getting a lot of high payers that are just leaving that uh, California. Because I listen to uh, KFI over there. They're pretty good. Uh, they're apolitical. Um, like, you and them are, like, the only ones live on, on this Christmas Day. <laughs> Yeah, well, let me tell you something. We will beat KFI any day of the week. They had this guy, John uh, Handel. It's the number one talk show host in the mornings in the nation. I know Handel. Uh, I used to do L.A. radio at KABC, the competitor there. This guy's boring. He's no Sid Rosenberg. But as you can see, boy, he got to hear him. He goes, he like surround sound. He listened WABC in one ear from New York. KFI from Los Angeles and the other ear, Nancy. Let's go to, uh, if we can, John, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on Christmas Day, WABC, with our live and local programming, John. Curtis, I want to wish you and all my brother Americans and, and my brother fellows throughout the world a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, to all our philanthropists, I want to... Um, uh, make a, a actual uh, uh, explanation of where our, our donation monies go and, and how much the CEOs receive and how much goes to the needy. Nonprofit organizations, Lions Club International, 200000 goes to the CEO, while 83 cents out of every dollar goes to the needy. Um, UNICEF, $1,200,000 goes to the CEO. Well, 14 cents goes out of every dollar goes to the needy. March of dimes, half a million goes to the CEO's pocket, while 10 cents out of every dollar goes to the needy. United Way, $1 million, $1 million goes to the CEO's pocket, while 9 cents of it goes, 9 cents of a dollar goes to the needy. Well, let me tell you one quick story, John. I met previously with the CEO, one of the founding members of United Way. They all came out of, like, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
So I got along splendidly with him. I met him in Washington, D.C. He had an apartment in Cairo in Egypt. Uh, He was not married at that time, but he had a woman there. He had another apartment in Virginia. He had another apartment down in Florida. This was the CEO. He was making millions. Now, United Way is what you can agree, the checkoff box, if you want to give a little bit of your money, to, and then uh, they, they might determine what charity it goes to or you might determine. John is absolutely right. You better check out these charities because when you talk about top-heavy charities, and I like the guy, but I said, man, you're a real Hazarite. You're a real pig. And he never had a conversation with me again after that. It's our Christmas Day extravaganza. Nancy in the house. Because we're reaching out to all those people who are all alone on a day like today where the theme is it's the best time of the year. But we know differently that for a lot of you, we are your home away from home. We are your family. And we are live and local here at WABC. It's the Rip and Read. Talking about. Featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. About time. About time. Yeah, to the dance floor. Oh, oh God. Steve, I'm going to deal with him all morning. But anyway, this is electronic dance music, the favorite of my wife, Nancy, and yours truly. Even though uh, we do have an eclectic uh, number of uh, musical selections that we like. But, you know, it's easy for us to say, Nancy, we're on the outside looking into the shelter system of New York, which is an absolute horror. Give us an idea of what it's like in the only three, count them, three shelters in a city of eight and a half million that house uh, dogs, cats, and other animals, particularly like on a day like Christmas? Mm, okay, well, I guess you start with the, the, the locations themselves, which are relatively inaccessible, usually in, in inhospitable areas, both to transportation and, um, and for safety. Uh, they, a lot of times they have fences around the building before you can even get in if they have a parking lot. So that's like the two of them. Now, when you walk in, obviously you hear animals barking. You might hear cats meowing. There's there's smells. Now everyone is you know separated in the little caged areas, but the problem is it feels more like visiting someone at prison than it does visiting with animals looking for homes. Because you know if you happen to see one, you know it, hopefully it is available. That you know you got to wait for someone to let you interact with the animal. It can take like, you know, upwards of two, two hours to even sort of touch the animal and see how the animal is. And unfortunately, they're so frightened because of all the consistent, uh, you know, activities going on there. They can smell the death that's happening all the time. So instead of really being able to bond and get a good feel of their personality, you're really dealing with a lot of scared animals. Now, every day I find my wife goes online and you look at death row. For yeah. animals, and this thing's incredible. Our animal control, what we call our animal shelter system, has a death row in which even if the governor, Hochul, called up, you cannot stay in execution there. 
Give us an idea what it is and how people might be able to rescue those dogs and cats before they are destroyed, before they're euthanized. Yeah, so if you um, look, for instance, on Facebook, they have uh, like sites like New York City Death Row Cats, New York City Death Row Dogs. And what it's doing is it's showcasing all of the animals that are slate, slated for euthanization. And the, the, the caveat here is that they're usually not available for public adoption. So you would have to work in conjunction with one of the rescues to get them because they don't even let um, regular citizens pull them. They require the rescues to hold your hand, so to speak, and help you adopt them, um, which makes it even more difficult. But that, that's what makes them the most needy and you know, usually the most rewarding. Well, this year uh, we are launching a new animal welfare website in conjunction with our program on Sunday nights, 10 to 11, which will be nationally syndicated by Red Apple Media, our parent company, uh, which will be heard across the nation. But also we want to we wanna fulfill your dream, Nancy, which is to turn these empty storefronts on our major avenues in Manhattan. We're not talking side streets here. We're talking you go up and down Lexington, Madison, empty storefronts, huge. Be able to take some of these unwanted animals that are in shelter, put them in the windows, care for them there. I guarantee you people would be passing by every year. They'll be adopting them like there's no tomorrow. I mean, that's how you fall in love with a pet in the first place. You have to see them and you have to interact with them and then remember, oh, I saw you yesterday. I want to see you today. I mean, you're not even allowing people to fall in love with these animals. This is an agency that gets millions of dollars from us, the taxpayers. You would think the easiest thing, they would say, wow, there's space available now. Look at all these weed shops that are popping up in empty space. We can't put some of these animals up for adoption in the window that once they look at you, you're not going to be able to walk away without going inside and inquiring about that animal. For many of us, they are not animals. They are our family members. They are our friends. And that's why they, too, have a home of their own right here on WABC.